0: Is it really you, my gallant Scarlet Pimpernel? I can hardly believe it. I suppose I was dreaming and then seeing you just as I did the first time all those years ago. Thirty, isn't it? Do you remember? I certainly do. I had gone to interview the editor of a new daily paper about to be launched in London. This editor who knew something of the short story work I had done for magazines, suggested that I should write a romantic story which he could run as a serial in his paper. I was immensely flattered by the suggestion, but there was a very great but. I had practically no experience in the writing of a novel, let alone a romantic one. What was to be done? Where was inspiration to come from? More despondent than flattered, I made my way back towards home, which was in Kensington. It was a dreary, foggy day in November, in fact a typically London day. My way was by underground, and presently I found myself on the platform of the Temple Station, waiting for my westbound train. Now I ask you, my dear Scarlet Simpanel, can you tell me of a more dismal, more uninspiring, more unromantic spot in all the world? On the platform of a London Underground Railway Station on a foggy afternoon. And yet, and yet, it all seems like yesterday. Dozing and dreaming, I see it all again. And I see you, the inimitable, the exquisite, the dashing and gallant Scarlet mill, who came to me on that dreary, dismal afternoon in November, out of the London fog and the fumes of the Underground Railway, You walked along the platform, looking about you through your quizzing glass. You had on your magnificent coat of many capes, and billows of exquisite mechlin lace showed at your throat and wrists. And I heard your voice, the voice that once called to nineteen English gentlemen to risk their lives at a word from you, to save the weak and innocent from persecution and from death. Zounds! it was the finest thought. Why, Demi, I even gave up hunting foxes. There, I can hear it now. Of course, there will be many who won't believe this story of the Underground Railway and of my vision of you. And there will be countless others who will want some sort of explanation of it. Well, there is no explanation. It happened. That is all I know. Let those who understand psychic phenomena explain if they choose. I have to deal with you the favorite child of my brain, conceived from that dull November day in the most prosy atmosphere in the world. And I often see you nowadays, but sometimes you come in when I am writing on quite different subjects, subjects that have nothing to do with you at all. I look up and see you leaning against the angle of my desk, looking at me and smiling. And if I am busy with other things at the time, I feel, perhaps, exasperated with you and say rather tartly, I don't want you just now, my dear man. I am not writing about you. But you just laugh and say. Oh, you think not. Be but I'm not so damn sure about that. I try to dismiss you from my thoughts. Perhaps at the moment I am writing a modern romance, or one dealing with the wars in the low countries. But you are so persistent that I can't shut out your voice from my ears. There you go. Now, my dear, I really must tell you what happened on the third Brumaire in 1794. I was in Paris, you know, by the Seine, And it was a damn disagreeable sort of day. And off you go, spinning one of those wonderful yarns. And let no one doubt the fact that you are real, very real even though it is I and not history who have put your life on record. I am only the medium which you happen to choose to make your personality known to the world. You are so determined to keep your identity a secret. As a matter of fact, with the exception of the members of your league, no one but your devoted wife and your arch-enemy Chauvelin ever did know who the mysterious Scarlet Simpanel really was. For obvious reasons, neither of those two ever left the secret out. And the members of the League were sworn to secrecy on their honor. So the mystery of your identity went down with you to your grave. Imagine how i glory in the fact that you revealed it to me. Strangely enough, it was only by the merest chance that I was able to communicate my knowledge of you to the world. But for that chance, no one would ever have heard of you. It happened like this. I wrote my first book about you. I called it The Scarlet Pimpernel, and in my folly thought that it was a very good book and that the very first publisher I sent it to would acclaim it and wish to publish it, but not a bit of it. I gaily posted my manuscript to one of the foremost publishers in London. It came back within a few days with the usual rejection slip. The publisher regrets. After that first disappointment, I had a round dozen more. There was not a single publisher in London who wanted you, my dear Scarlet Pimpernel. One and all told me, politely but firmly, that your adventures would not interest the reading public. No one, they told me, cared today about the French Revolution, about the tumbrils and the guillotine, or about a heroic English gentleman who sacrificed life and fortune to rescue the weak and innocent from cruel persecution. And my poor manuscript came back and back, always with those heartbreaking rejection slips and getting more and more better and dilapidated and sorry for itself after each journey. What could I do with you? Excuse me, my dear, that's just it. Nobody knew what to do with me. All I knew was that somehow or other you must be brought out of the realm of shadows and somehow or other the world must be made aware of your existence and of how real you were. And so I thought of making you live on the stage, hoping against hope that some great actor would portray you and make you live in such a way that you could never be forgotten. I made a play my book, and here luck did savour me. For the late Fred Tilly one of the finest romantic actors that ever trod the boards, took an immediate fancy to you. The role of the mysterious and dashing hero appealed to his sense of the dramatic. He accepted the play and produced it, first in Nottingham and Newcastle, and ultimately in London.